sports interaction, Canada Sportsbook. Want to bet? Then get in on the action at Sports Interaction. The boys of summer are back on the diamond, and March Madness is on deck. Bet pre-game, live in play, or on one of our many prop bets. Sports Interaction makes it easy to deposit, play, and cash out. Head to sportsinteraction.com sdpn. Or in Ontario, download the app now using the QR code at the bottom of the screen. 19 plus, please play responsibly. Hello everyone and welcome back to Game Over Ottawa. Excited to be joined tonight by Ryan Hanna from the Winged Wheel podcast. How are you doing tonight, Ryan? Good, how are you? I am doing pretty good. Pretty happy uh, about that performance from the Sens here tonight. Uh, I imagine there will be a lot of things for us to get into. It was quite the eventful game, not just in terms of goals, but in terms of physicality and all that too. So this should be a fun one here tonight. Uh, again, glad you're, you're here with me. And right before we get into things, we have a little bit of a jingle that we roll here when the Sens win. So I'm just going to pop that up. The Detroit Red Wings have been sensed here tonight. So... I am pretty happy, but I imagine you are not. Uh, first thing I want to talk about is just how physical this game was. I think all season for the Sens, like they've been trying to play this really hard hitting style, like like uh, aggressive forecheck and stuff, but it hasn't always worked out so well. But everyone was finishing their checks tonight. From a Detroit perspective, like do they usually play really physical games like this or was it this more the Sens bringing it to them? Uh, the, no, this was the Sens bringing it to them. Like credit to the Ottawa Senators, they came into tonight understanding uh, the kind of game they needed to play, and in a game that had you know, crazy as it is to say, pretty big playoff implications. Detroit coming into tonight four points up uh, on Ottawa, and they had the back to back, so that that could swing things wildly in in either direction. Uh, the Senators understood the assignment, and they they brought it to Detroit. It's not the first time Detroit has played a physical team. Uh, I don't think they do necessarily well. Uh, when the game is played this way, uh, but the the Sens absolutely, you know, had their target. They did it. I think they towed the line at times. I think they crossed the line at times. <laughs> I, I don't think they got. I, I don't think they got as many calls as I think uh, a different different standard of officiating on any other night would have gone or would have done. That said, the Red Wings also need to understand that that just happens. Uh, uh, some nights the refs call it, sometimes they don't, and they didn't really adjust their game around it. So uh, the Sens really controlled the narrative through and through on that front, and, and the only reason it didn't you know, go worse for Detroit in the first period was because of Magnus Helberg. So uh, yeah, the, the Senators dictated the script tonight. Mm-hmm. Definitely going to get into the performance of Magnus Helberg as well. But I do have to ask you, uh, was there any specific moments uh, where you think the Sens crossed the line here tonight? You know, I, I I don't like I'm not trying to sit here and say like they cheated or, you know, if uh, the Red Wings were a few bad calls uh, away from winning. I don't think they were. I, mm-hmm. I think they had too many lapses on defense. I think they hung Magnus Helberg out to dry for I lost count of how many breakaways and odd man breaks. Yeah, that was uh, against. But, uh, you know, they were finishing the hit. Doesn't matter how long after, uh, you know, some hits were late. Some hits were a bit high, just enough. And the Senators knew what they were doing. It was just enough to get under the Red Wings skin. Um, you know, Brady Kachuk is like next gen Brad Marchand in terms of how uh, he is as an agitator and, and he's effective like him or not. He's effective. Red Wings fans are, you know, boiling over with how much they hate him tonight. And that's good. I mean, that's the makings of a rivalry, mm-hmm. but uh, it was uh, it was overall the Sens were kind of relentless on that front. So I, I credit to them. I, I think if the Red Wings could do that themselves it would probably be a big advantage. I don't think that's the only way to win a game, but definitely that that was what Ottawa chose to do and it worked for them tonight. 
Mm -hmm. Yeah, I gotta say, after seeing tonight's game, like, it's kind of got me excited about maybe a potential sense in Red Wings playoffs, like, in the next couple of years here. I think, like, the, just the absolute intensity here was just awesome. It felt like a playoff-style game, and I guess to the Sens, it really was, because they're fighting for their lives at this point here. Uh, and the Red Wings, too, although they have the little bit of the cushion in the standings. Um, I want to ask you about that, really, about where Detroit is in the standings, like... From a perspective of, if you can give me kind of a perspective of how the fan base, uh, like what their expectations were at the beginning of the season to where we are now, like what's kind of the general vibe for the D Detroit fans in terms of like, is it just, you're just happy if you get in, you know? Uh, I, definitely, yes. Like I, I think the Red Wings fan base is pretty understanding that uh, uh, the playoffs are still a stretch, but Detroit is firmly in the mix. I mean, let's, let's take tonight's tough loss out of the equation. Detroit was on an insane tear of wins, um, uh, beating some tough teams along the way. And they pulled themselves up by the bootstraps back into the conversation. Uh, into the new year, they were not on the right trajectory and firmly out of it. And so uh, all of the you know good work through like mid to late November was undone really by that point. So for the Red Wings to come back and, and have put themselves in the mix, it's reinvigorated the fan base. Uh, it has brought an energy to Little Caesars Arena and the Red Wings fan base that we haven't seen for like six or seven years at least. Um, it's they're playing meaningful hockey down the stretch. Like, go online and look at Red Wings fans' reactions. Like, this is just one game, uh, but you would think it's the end of the world, and and, and I'm, that's not an insult. Like, it's a good thing the fans are engaged, and that is so yeah. much better than what it was like a month and a half ago, which was despondent wasn't even a word. Like, it, it, folks were just tuning out, and you can't blame them. They've watched crappy hockey for a long time, so expectations coming into the season we said on, on our show uh that it's not unfair to have expectations for the red wings this year steve eisman went out and spent on free agents which was you know a concerted move in the direction of getting better rather than uh you know taking for Connor bedard and that's that's all well and good I, I think either direction was fine but now the fans are allowed to have expectations so uh i think the fans are enjoying the ride uh it's it's good to be playing meaningful games. So even the losses, though this stings, this is better than, you know, these games not mattering by this point in the season. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, it's kind of actually the same for the Sens and that we were right on the verge of everyone becoming apathetic, basically, and just tuning out. And they've done just enough to to keep things interesting to the point where we're all just super happy that we had we have such an important game here tonight and another one uh, tomorrow. So just uh, it's really cool to see both these teams climbing up the standings. Uh, after quite a few years, both of them out of the playoffs, I think it's been since, was it since 2016 for Detroit, the last playoff appearance? Yeah, they lost Tampa. I think it was a 4-1 series. And then it was, uh, that was really the last vestige of, of, you know, playoff, even remotely close to playoff hockey that they could get. And that was literally the last set of playoff games they played. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to uh, shout out a comment in the chat here. KT says, as a Wings fan, the Wings organization need to go to the city of Detroit and advertise on a billboard that we are hiring new hockey players. I've seen more toughness and grit from Detroit residents. So are you kind of having a reaction like that too? Do you think Eiserman needs to bring in more grit after a performance like that? Uh, you know, I wouldn't ba uh, base roster moves on one game, but I don't think they're wrong based on tonight. Like, you know, take the penalties and, and uh, what I would honestly call bad calls aside or non-calls aside uh the red wings got bullied tonight physically mm -hmm. they they had nothing going back the other way and they're just not really built for that but at the same time like uh it looked a little bit lackluster they didn't really have the fire uh 
Ottawa was treating this like a, a game with playoff implications and it didn't really seem like the Red Wings were. So uh, I can't blame anyone for watching that game and thinking Detroit needs some more toughness. I'm not really a big proponent for going out and getting someone who can only punch someone else in the face. I, I'd like them to be able to play hockey too, but mm-hmm. uh, I mean, yeah, you want to talk about why the Red Wings or, or why the Tampa Bay Lightning went out and spent a fortune on someone like Tanner Genoa, for example, like uh, he plays what will probably translate into playoff style hockey, someone who can play, but also punch you in the face. And tonight's a good example of why that matters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's I feel like playing this way consistently is so difficult, which I think is why it's been hard for the sense this season in terms of like DJ Smith wants these guys playing this way every night. And it's just I find it's not feasible unless you just got like a stacked roster. That's all a bunch of big guys, right? Like it, it happened to work out for them tonight. So I, I'm really glad about that. But but yeah, I, I kind of agree that it's like you don't want to go too hard specifically on the toughness. But when you can have just enough on your roster that uh, you can have these occasional games where it actually sways things or it felt like in my opinion that it did a little bit although the refing did too of course um and speaking of the refing like i kind of felt a little bad when i was watching this game not necessarily that all of the that like i thought all the calls were bad or anything but just how lopsided that it got halfway through the game i think it was six to two at some point after the second period for power play chances um like was there any that really stuck out to you as soft calls uh, yeah, I, I mean, like, the standard for charging is really weird in this league, and this is now two calls, charging calls against Detroit over the last couple of games, or a few games, sorry, that have been, I don't know, in my mind, soft, and, like, what's considered roughing on one play, and meanwhile, like, Debrinket just had uh, Mo Sider's jersey and popped him in the chin well, before and it's like, I, I get that. That play was a scrum beforehand, but it's like you open the game and that was the play where Mo Sider was giving to Brinkett, you know, some pretty good chops to the back to break and popped him in the face after the ref let it go. And you're like, all right, that's the standard we're playing with tonight. Mm-hmm. And then later it seems to shift when there's like a roughing call. And it's a little, if you, if you, if you show a referee just those individual plays without the context, they'll say, yeah, that was a penalty to any, probably most of the penalties tonight. Uh, but within the tone of the game, I, I felt that the standard was uh, a moving target. And that, to me, what was was is really my big gripe. I don't mind when refs call a tight game or a loose game, but uh, I just like them to be consistent. I don't feel like there there was that tonight. I also don't want to talk about, uh, you know, complain about the refing all night either. I, I think Philip Ronick and Ben Schrott were god-awful on defense, and that's, that's probably yeah. a bigger reason why the refing's <laughs> lost. Yeah, for sure. I just thought that uh, we we had to touch on it because it was kind of a big story of the game. Like, I totally agree that it was really weird when they let go. The Dabrinkit Insider stuff didn't call either of them. And then from that point on, you get 10 penalties for the rest of the game. Yeah, definitely strange. Um, And then in terms of the Red Wings being on the penalty kill the whole game, uh, didn't go too well, do you think? Like, I think it was two power play goals against in total. Uh, and the Sens power play has uh, been a little cold lately, but surprisingly at the top of the league. Yeah, the Sens have a really talented power play. Like, yeah, hot or cold, uh, the Red Wings don't exactly have a stellar penalty kill or, you know, at, not consistently. There were points in the year where it was unreal, but then, you know, kind of falling back down to earth. So against a dangerous power play like the Ottawa Senators, uh, with that many power play chances against, I, I don't. I would, I would have been surprised by any other outcome. This ends up a really, really um, uh, talented power play, and, and that translated tonight. Mm-hmm. And I have some team stats open that I was looking at before the game, and funny enough, like I just looked at it again, and the 
penalty minutes a game like Detroit is surprisingly well disciplined if I'm reading this correctly like for the amount of penalty minutes a game Detroit is like 27th in the league is what I'm reading so that's pretty unlucky tonight that it ended up uh, being just a, a parade to the penalty box yeah it's probably why it was so jarring for Wings fans too like it probably doesn't happen too often in that respect and then when it does it's usually like uh you know both team takes two to tango kind of thing but it just didn't seem to to call out that way mm-hmm. yeah and yeah, it was, it was a little unfortunate to me, I think, because I really would have loved to see a lot more five on play, five play tonight just to kind of compare where the two teams are at. Like when one team is on the power play the whole time, it's it can sway things. And luckily it did for the Sens here tonight. Um, but like looking at the five on five stats right now, the Sens did have a bit of an edge in Corsi, but it's like there was so so little five on five time here tonight that it's like. I don't really, I, I don't really feel like after this game, it's like, oh, the wings suck and we just whooped them. Like, I feel like I don't have a read on, on where the wings are at based off, uh, off of this performance. Like, uh, no, I, you think they'll bounce back well tomorrow? I think they, they very well could. Like I, the Red Wings played an uncharacteristically poor game compared to the standard of play. Mm-hmm. Like they just dominated Tampa Bay. They ended up losing because Andre Vasilevsky played, you know, an otherworldly game. That's right. Uh, but they dominated who is going to be a cup contender in the Tampa Bay Lightning. So uh, the Red Wings just weren't on it tonight. Uh, yes, the penalties hurt. Uh, again, they had lapses on defense. Uh, Ottawa just wore them down with their game. Um, Detroit, Derek Lalone has had a a good streak this year of being able to refocus this team, especially when they get off track like this. So I wouldn't be surprised to see Detroit more dialed in. They'll also have Billy Husso in net tomorrow night. Um, mm-hmm. Credit to Magnus Helberg, who started off really, really hot in the first period, but uh, eventually got broken through. He's just not an NHL starter, right? So uh, I don't think he did good on balance, but at the same time, the Red Wings didn't do him favors. Husso has an ability to to elevate, elevate the team, though. So yeah, I, I think the Red Wings very well could come back tomorrow night and um, uh, do much better. Mm-hmm. And speaking of Hellberg, I was getting really worried about halfway through the game when it was like 2-1 or so, and he had already made a bunch of ridiculous saves like before the game really got away from him uh, because the Sens actually have like an absolutely horrible record against former goalies. And even though Hellberg only played one game for us this year, then he counts in that category and he did beat us earlier this <laughs> year too. So I was getting real scared uh, at that point, but luckily we came through in the end. Um and in terms of Helberg, do you think this is a guy that they're going to be keeping around as a backup long term? Or is he kind of just the fill in right now? Because uh, obviously there's Alex Nedeljkovic in the minors. And I wanted to ask you about that uh, later, too. But Helberg first. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I, I I don't think he's shown enough where you can definitively say, yeah, the Red Wings want to keep him. He doesn't have a lot of NHL experience under his belt. I think the Red Wings are going to look at how much they've had to play Billy Huso this year and say, uh, if you want to make the playoffs, you can't have a goalie playing like 65 games in the regular season. Mm-hmm. He's just going to get worn down in, in the postseason. Um, they, their plan wasn't to bring in Helberg. They felt they had to because of uh, Alex Nedeljkovic's poor play. Helberg could turn it around down the stretch and, and convince them to sign him. There could be no other good options in, in unrestricted free agency, uh, whatever. So I don't want to say he's definitely not coming back, but I don't. he's not really made a lasting impression He's done fine at points. Mm-hmm. Like I, I think he's done well at points, all things considered. And at other points, he's very clearly a goalie who's put on waivers a lot for a reason. Uh, it's just kind of where he sits on that totem pole. So I wouldn't bet on it, but it, I wouldn't call it you know impossible for him to stay. Yeah, I think that makes sense. And uh, hey, if you want 
a goalie at the trade deadline we could interest you in uh, cam talbot maybe no i don't think the red wings are going to be trading for a goaltender i think uh especially one that makes any money i think the team is uh uh you know they have to bring in elite scoring and probably a third pair right d if they are going to add mm-hmm. okay yeah, and uh, still on the goalie subject, because the Sens might be moving Talbot, uh, this was actually mentioned during intermission on our broadcast uh, from Bruce McGarriock. Uh He threw out Nedeljkovic's name as a potential stopgap if we do move on from Talbot, because we'll need someone else just to finish the season since Forsberg is totally out. And, like, do you think there's any potential left for Nedeljkovic? If if the Sens were to pick him up, do you think, like, there's much left there? Or is it kind of, have people kind of given up on him? No, no, I, I, he still has talent. Um, it's been a weird year for Ned. Like, I don't blame Steve Eisman for making the moves he made with him. Uh, I think when he brought him in, he had a lot of promise and it was a worthwhile gamble. Uh, when Ned was good, he was great. Mm-hmm. You know, absolutely stood out in his head, much like Vili Husso has done in his best games, like really elevated Detroit. What he didn't have that Vili Husso does have is uh, the ability to do it consistently. Uh, if Ned isn't really in the net consistently, he can't kind of come in and out of focus as needed. Uh he had a really long stretches of poor play across two seasons and it just they weren't like uh goals against a goalie that had bad fundamentals or bad positioning or things like that it was more just like uh like terribly soft goals like they were things were just squeaking through Ned and he was burying the team before they even had a chance to start the game and you feel for him because you know he has a lot of talent and he's gone down to Grand Rapids and done extraordinarily well I mean, as an NHL goalie should in the AHL, but uh, yeah, he just didn't have it at the NHL level in this situation. Uh, I think in a different situation, I mean, goalies are, they're such a funny uh, breed, right? Like Mm -hmm. they're all about the mental game. Uh, All of a sudden, a guy who's struggled for years and years and years at age 32 will pick it up and just be stellar. I think a new situation could be good for him. Uh, I don't see him coming back to Detroit, barring, you know, something happening down the stretch. We don't know. Uh, could he be a good stopgap for the Sens? Yeah, why not? Uh, I, if they want to take on the, that cap hit for the rest of the year, and I don't know, it doesn't really matter, then I think Eisman would be happy to do it, and I think that the Sen- it would be a worthwhile risk for the Sens. I don't think they'd have to give up too much. Yeah, I think uh, I would like to see it, to be honest. And like you said, I don't think they'd have to give up too much. And is his contract expiring after this year, too? Like, it's uh, no more years left yeah. on it? Yeah. yeah. So. And for a guy who's who got waived, I don't think it would be, yeah, it'd probably be like a late round pick, if anything. He He's a guy who, he just kind of came out of nowhere in Carolina, eh? and then it, everyone was shocked when he got traded to Detroit. Everyone figured he would be Carolina's goalie of the future. I remember uh, his first season in Detroit, I picked him up on my fantasy team, and he was really <laughs> good for those first few months. And then, but then I started noticing like every game, it was like 40, 50 shots uh, against, and then it just started going downhill for him, eh? Yeah, it, it it's the moment the the Red Wings kind of settled into who they were as a team and he started to get shelled a little bit. Um, it's not all on the team. It's not all on Ned, but he definitely, he's not the kind of goalie to thrive in an environment like Detroit, especially when he was coming from uh, Carolina. I could honestly probably look pretty good behind Carolina's defense. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so... Then from there, we're talking about trades a little bit. I, w- I think you briefly mentioned what you were hoping the Wings would do at the deadline. Uh, was it, do you say, a, a defenseman? Yeah, they have a they have a deficiency right now in their third pair, right D. They are swapping between, you know, Robert Hag and Gustav Lindstrom, mm. uh, neither of which have really worked out reliably for them all year. Um, if they're going to be serious about, you know, making a push on the stretch and keeping these games meaningful, which is what I think they wanted to do, uh, they 
they could get help there. I'm not advocating for them to go spend like a second round pick on that, but if they can pick up, uh, you know, a Nick Jensen type or something like that for cheap, which yeah, <laughs> trade deadline is not a cheap time to shop. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like the inverse of Black Friday, really. Uh, but if they could get something at good value, I could see that move being made. And then pie in the sky is, you know, the Red Wings really lack elite talent, um, finishing talent, elite talent overall. They just need more of it at the top end. But that is so insanely hard to acquire. The cost is so high. So it would have to be a move that would make sense for the long term, not not a short term deal. So too late now. But Timo Meyer, if you're talking about like absolute tinfoil hat, this would never happen. But if it did kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh I I was thinking about the the defense like until you named them I didn't even know who the Red Wings had behind uh, Heronic and Sider on that on the right hand side so I could definitely see that being uh, something that Eisenman is looking at and in terms of whether Detroit should be a buyer like do you think most of the fans are hoping for him to buy or do you think people are kind of just thinking like stand pat and see if we get in maybe because that's more of what the Sens fan base is thinking right now and now we're two points separated in the standings I'm curious how the Detroit fan base is feeling about that um I think they're settling in yeah somewhere close to neutral depending on how excited folks are about like this uh, uh late playoff push you might have some people saying bring in you know maybe one or two pieces and then depending on how some people are just really not keen on getting thrashed by boston the first round they might say sell one or two pieces um but that plus minus one or two guys close to zero being moved is is about where the fan base is i think it's probably where i fall is is uh don't set a hard line on what you're going to do let the the offers dictate it um keep your ears open to everything and, and make a move if you need to uh which based on what i'm hearing is kind of the case right now like Bertuzzi is off the market but uh the chatter is still there um mm-hmm. uh so I wouldn't be surprised if that that one heats back up uh but it just has to be the right offer kind of thing yeah I had actually seen and bookmarked a tweet here uh, from TSN that came out during the game saying the Red Wings are listening to trade interests on Bertuzzi so I was going to ask you about that too as well yeah uh I personally I think they have been the entire time mm-hmm. um Steve Eisenman taking him off the market did a few things. First of all, it sent a message to the locker rooms to say, hey, you've won a, a ton of games recently. This is my message to you. Say, you you're, you can go for it. I will keep Tyler Bertuzzi past the trade deadline against my better judgment to give you the opportunity to make the playoffs. Making the playoffs is massive for the Red Wings, for their young guys, just to kind of get in. It would be the first time in the Little Caesars Arena history to have a Red Wings playoff game there. It's great That's for right. the fan base. It's great for the bottom line, whether you care about that or not, which Eisenman has to. Uh, so it's not like a, a faux offer. Like Eisman was legitimately saying to his team, yeah, go for it. Make a run of this. Uh, it also probably was a function of he wasn't getting the offers he wanted for Bertuzzi. You know, Bertuzzi is more valuable to a potential playoff run rather than selling him for like a second round pick. Um, so removing him from the market creates some demand. It gives the time uh, time for the market log jams to clear, which they have. Janot has gone. Timo Meyer has gone. Uh, uh, Kravtsov, Tarasenko, Patrick Kane's going to go to New York. Like, uh, all these players are gone who could really make a difference in the playoffs, maybe. I mean, not Kravtsov for Vancouver, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, and it, it shows teams, like, that's a message to teams to say, hey, I want to keep Tyler Bertuzzi because I want to make a playoff push. And that just furthers that message of, hey, you need Tyler Bertuzzi for the playoffs. So mm-hmm. uh, it gave Eisman flexibility. And, uh, you know, it's not like you signed a form to say, I'm taking Tyler Bertuzzi off the market and then you're not allowed to trade him. No you have three days here to do four days to do whatever you want. So uh, 
the chatter is still there. And I, I, I think what was tweeted out, I think it was Dreger put it out on TSN. I, I think that's absolutely correct. I, I think the interest is very, very strong. I know that uh, everyone was pretty much shocked by that Tanner Genoa uh, trade return, but I do have to wonder if maybe Iserman sees that and is like reconsidering a little bit with Bertuzzi because it's like it they're and they're not like the exact same player, but the gritty left winger who can hit and score. Like I feel like there's a, a little bit of a comparison there, and Iserman's probably going to be getting a, a, quite a few calls, I would think. Uh yeah, the the Tanner Genoa um, trade def- did move the needle, like. A hundred percent, yes. It and didn't just catch the attention of Steve Eisman. It, it caught the attention of multiple GMs around the league. Steve Eisman just has the luxury of having a player like you're you're alluding to of that archetype who is uh, can be productive. Uh, he's been more productive than um, than, than Geno, although he's been hurt all year, so maybe that's not fair to say. But you know, kind of punch you in the face and then score in your own crease, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the kind of stuff that's going to move the needle in the playoffs. So. Uh, yeah, absolutely. The Genoa return is it raised some eyebrows, and uh, if you're holding a Tyler Bertuzzi type, it's it's a good position to be in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess uh, Bertuzzi's kind of like a a little bit of a comparable to Brady Kachuk as well. I would think. Again, not quite as big, but just that that gritty guy who goes to the crease, goes to the front of the net. Yeah, it plays a real hard nosed game, pisses you off, uh, gets under your skin, uh, wins battles in the corner. That small like you know, two foot by two foot box that the pucks are one in. Uh, obviously, the talent level is not the exact same, but Tyler Bertuzzi is able to play with Detroit's most talented players, create space for them and and uh, uh, not drag them down by not being able to make the skill play. So yeah, absolutely. Like that's the kind of player, it's a coach's dream, that kind of player. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so one more topic that I want to ask you about, it's a little bit farther away from the current situation with the Red Wings and like this game specifically, but I want to ask you about Philip Zadina and this is not me bragging about anything draft related with how that has turned out, but I kind of want, I'm wondering if you could give me a bit of a crash course and like what's gone on with his development so far, because I remember thinking this guy was going to be amazing. Like when the Sens drafted Kachuk, I was angry and I wanted Zadina and there was a lot of the fan base uh, that was like that too. And like every now and then when I watch Detroit highlights, I'll see him score a really nice goal, but I feel like it's very few and far between. And I'm, I'm curious if you could let me know kind of what's the deal with him yeah um crash course is an appropriate um uh, title admit i'm gonna qualify this all by saying i was a big champion for drafting zadina if he fell i did view mm-hmm. it as a fall in the draft yeah i didn't hate the brady kachuk pick but i thought his ceiling i thought he had a high floor low ceiling and so i had egg on my face about that i one. thought so too so <laughs> yeah um with philip zadina this is a guy that was expected to come in and be a shooting talent uh, I felt felt his playmaking and two-way game was underrated, uh, but his shooting talent was really what was going to make him succeed in the NHL. And, you know, when he was first kind of making the roster a little bit, that was there. There was a season where it was very limited uh, sample size, but he was shoot, scoring at a 20-goal pace, and he was able to kind of shoot, uh, and uh, he used the space he had to get the shots off. But he is really affected by confidence, uh, his shot has almost completely disappeared from his game. He has no deception. His release is kind of gone. Uh, he has no confidence really in his shot anymore. The NHL time and space, which is to say none, uh, when you're trying to shoot, his he just could never adjust to that. So the moment the opponents got tape on him and collapsed on him quickly, uh, which is what they do, his shot just disappeared. Uh, his playmaking is actually really good. 
His two-way game is actually really good. He moves the puck really well. But the moment he gets within five feet of the net or in a shooting op- uh, opportunity, it's just like he completely collapses. Wow. Um, and it was really, really bizarre to see. Uh, uh, Zadine is a really contentious player within the Red Wings fan base for that reason because it's all, oh, you know, the impact, the the advanced analytics, the, he's doing this, this, and that, right? It's all so good, but the, the results are nothing. So mm-hmm. uh, even like myself, I was one of the biggest champions of Zadina. After a long time, I said, you know what? The proof is in the pudding and there's no pudding right now. Eventually, he's going to have to put up or shut up. Uh, broke his leg this year. He had a rough you know, time coming back from that. And that was, it didn't feel like a nail in the coffin, but it just felt like another tick on a long list of, uh, you know, the red side of the ledger for Zadina. But to his credit, he's actually come back and played really well. He's okay. been playing with Pius Suter and, and Oscar Sunkvist, and he's scored a couple um, you know, gotten some points. He's not a world beater by any means, but he's continuing to do those things right in his game that he can do outside of the shooting. With time and space, his shot is still very good, um, but he's just kind of working at every little aspect of the game to create positive impacts, and it's coming through right now. So I think while the expectation has to be gone that he's a top six forward, I don't see that happening. Maybe middle six, depending if all things go well. But as a depth player in the lineup who can make some noise and drive some good impacts for your for uh, your depth, there's a chance Philip Zadina's newfound role in there sticks and he can rely on those kind of underappreciated aspects of his game to do so. So credit to him for turning it around so far this season. It's just been a few games, but uh, he, he does deserve that credit. Uh, it's been a rocky ride for sure. And Sens fans can confidently say they were right about that one. Yeah, that's really surprising to hear that what was his greatest strength as a prospect in the shooting and the goal scoring. Like, obviously, we see in the numbers that the goal scoring isn't happening, but you say, like, just the whole shooting element of his game is kind of faded. Uh, but obviously, good to hear that he's working on the other parts of his game as well, because, man, he, he was an exciting prospect. I really hope uh, that he can manage to establish himself in the league, like you said, it, no matter what, what the role is, just managed to carve out a career here uh thanks for that I, I've, I've been curious about zadina for a while now kind of it's, it's yeah. been a bit a while since the draft like a long time and, and you don't hear too much about him outside of uh outside of detroit no and i actually i want to jump back here i'm so sorry it's a complete departure but <laughs> t robson 31 says ryan do you think detroit considered huso going back to back given the way he was playing mm. i definitely think they considered it uh, but they they have to be realistic about not grinding this guy down to the bone, uh, especially if they want to, you know, win impactful games down the the line on a back to back like that on the road. They have to try to get him rest where he, they can. So I think they considered it, but they definitely uh, I think they made the right choice, although the result was bad tonight. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, yeah. In terms of uh, tomorrow, do you got any score predictions? Uh, yeah. Let's go a. Um... Let's go three two overtime win from Detroit to grind Detroit? a game okay. with a lot of penalties. Billy Huso is going to turn up big and and save their skin, and uh, Philip Ronick's going to have a turnaround and score the OT winner. Just because I'm feeling right. optimistic. Yeah. All right, I like the specifics there. I was actually thinking pretty much the same score. I'm thinking I'm going to say three two Sens win, but in regulation because I just okay. don't want a freaking overtime game when <laughs> when the standings are so close. Um, but yeah, I think with Billy Huso in that, that's going to be a huge difference just uh not that Helberg was bad but he just wasn't able to cover up all the mistakes for the team and Huso is probably more of that guy right uh yeah yeah you can't put Huso in and expect him to cover for mistakes you can put him in and hope for a standard game but you can't expect him to cover your butts Huso okay. often has saved their skins this year so yeah if someone's going to do it it's going to be him 
Mm-hmm. And uh, just before we go, Adam Firebear in the chat saying, asking you, are you happy with what Steve Eisman has done so far? Like, I guess overall. Yeah, it's a very fair question. Um, again, a qualifier here. Steve Eisman's not infallible. He's not. Uh, he's made mistakes for sure in his time with Detroit. But overall, yeah, I am happy. Um, do would I have made every move he made? No, probably not. Uh, but at the same time, like I can't deny that there have been a lot of moves where I, I've like looked at a trade he's made and said, how has he walked away with such a haul from St. Louis once again? Or, uh, you know, I didn't love it wouldn't have been my choice of either, you know, going down to the tank one more, one more year versus spending in free agency. Like, I think I would have gone the other way, but it was close for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that obviously has paid dividends in terms of reengaging and reinvigorating this fan base. So, yeah, that's huge. Uh, oh, Overall, yeah, I, I do like what Steve Eisenman has done so far, but I think to call it a success would be premature. He still has a long ways to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think that's where we're going to leave it here tonight. Uh, I wish the Red Wings luck, better luck tomorrow. Not too good of luck, though, obviously. We need we need another Senators win, but hoping it's a, it's a more close, intense game as well because love having those, uh, those nerve-wracking moments. And uh, yeah, before we go, did you want to plug your socials and your podcast? Yeah, definitely. Sorry, I was going to forget that. You're uh, you're better at that than I am. <laughs> uh, yes, uh, I'm one of the hosts of the Winged Wheel podcast. Uh, we're the biggest Detroit Red Wings podcast on the air. I've been told I should brag about that more. It feels <laughs> awkward to say. Uh, wingedwheelpodcast.com. And from there, you can find all the places to listen, you know, how to support us. Uh, at Winged Wheel Pod on Twitter. My Twitter handle is at RyanHannaWWP. You can find us Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts. We're on YouTube as well. So, um yeah, and we uh, can often be seen uh, harassing Steve Dangle on Twitter as well. He's a good friend, so I give him a hard time. <laughs> yeah, harassing Steve is always a fun time. Yeah. Yeah, so thank you so much, everyone, for watching tonight. Leave a like if you enjoyed. Subscribe to SDPN. And Game Over Ottawa will be back tomorrow night with Charlie hosting. So have a great night, everyone. Thank you. Game Over! Powered by Sports Interaction, Canada Sportsbook.